inspiration and innovation the path forward after spacex's historic launch you're listening to are we there yet the radio show exploring space exploration hi i'm brendan byrne on saturday spacex successfully launched two nasa astronauts from the kennedy space center in florida on a mission to the international space station It's the first time humans have launched from the U.S. since the end of the space shuttle program in 2011, at a time when protests were breaking out across the country. For a brief moment, millions of people watched the launch and looked to the sky, marveling at what humans are capable of doing. We're going to talk about the long-lasting impact of this launch, from the inspiration it delivered to the innovation it paves the way for. We'll start our conversation with Jackie Waddles. She covers commercial space and innovation for CNN and was at the launch Saturday. She joins us to talk about how this moment paves the way for future innovation, like missions to the moon and Mars, and how it inspires others to take giant leaps once more. Then, Kyle Jeter teaches astronomy at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. He made the three-hour trip twice to watch the launch with his son and plans to use this moment of inspiration in his classroom. We'll talk with Mr. Jeter about how SpaceX's launch will inspire the next generation of human explorers. That's ahead on Are We There Yet? But first, let's take a look at the latest space news making headlines. NASA astronauts on board the International Space Station have captured an American flag left by the last space shuttle mission. The crew of STS-135 left an American flag on the shuttle's last mission to the space station nine years ago. The flag was left inside the station above the hatch to the SpaceX capsule for the next crew launched from the United States to capture it. Now, thanks to that commercial partner, SpaceX, the pilot of that final mission, Doug Hurley, has secured the flag. We just are lucky enough to be able to take it home with us, and uh, that'll be our plan here in a month or two or three or four. Hurley, along with astronaut Bob Bankin, launched from Kennedy Space Center Saturday on the first human mission from the U.S. in nearly a decade. The two will remain on the station for at least a month before returning to Earth, splashing down off the coast of Florida. Stay connected to the latest space news. Be sure to visit WMFE.org space or give me a follow on Twitter. I'm at SpaceBrendan. That's the sound of SpaceX's Falcon 9 rocket launching Bankin and Hurley from the Kennedy Space Center from a video shot by the Orlando Sentinel's Chabelli Carazana. I watched the launch with her on the roof of the newspaper's blockhouse at the Kennedy Space Center press site about two miles from the launch pad. Also with us, CNN's Jackie Waddles. That's who you hear screaming with excitement. It was Waddles' first in-person launch, and a fitting one for someone who covers innovation and commercial space. She joins us now to talk about the impact of this moment and how SpaceX and NASA can capitalize on this milestone achievement and help further human space exploration. Jackie Waddles, thanks for speaking with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So as we heard there, uh, this was a very exciting launch for folks who were there in person, and this particular launch... Uh, was your first. Um, that's pretty exciting. Tell me about it. What was it like for you? Very much so. You know, I've, I've been covering space for the better part of about five years now. Um, and, and rocket launches are really hard. I think it's kind of an internal joke among 
among space reporters, they can break your heart a little bit. And if you try to plan your life, life around rocket launches, you're going to be pretty disappointed. Um, but you know, this was such an important mission. So we really dedicated the time to go out there and see it through, um, no matter how long it took, no matter how many weather scrubs. And I was blown away. I think before that day, like the most I had seen of like physical rocket hardware besides, you know, dormant rockets and museums was watching like a, a static engine fire test, you know, where they put it on a stand and make sure the engine works okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I've never seen a rocket take off. And um, it was jarring, I think. <laughs> um, Elon Musk said something to this effect um, in the in the post-flight briefing uh, where he mentioned that, you know, when you're watching it on camera, it looks very elegant. Like it's, seems like it's so easy. It seems so effortless and it, it just sort of glides up. But certainly when you're outside, you're watching it in person, those flames are so incredibly bright that you can't even look at them. And I wasn't expecting that at all. And then the sonic booms, I think I mentioned this to you right after the sonic booms it's not just like one immediate boom. It's this like violent ricochet of sound that keeps hitting you. Um, and it, it, that really gives you a sense of, of how powerful this thing is. It, it kind of helps you wrap your mind around the fact that this is a machine that is truly built to, you know, defy gravity and defy, you know, the nature <laughs> of what keeps our feet on the ground. I was pretty breathless, as you could tell. <laughs> Jackie, now that this launch was successful from the Kennedy Space Center, and, and we know that that Bob and Doug are up on the station now, I mean, what's next? This this is still very much uh, a test mission, and as we heard from from Elon uh, and other leaders at NASA, this is not a mission accomplished yet, right? They still have to get home, but before they do that, what are Bob and Doug going to be doing? Yeah, so we know that there are a lot of system checks and health checks that they're going to need to do on Crew Dragon. A big part of this is figuring out how the capsule holds up in space. You know, there's radiation out there. It's a very harsh environment. So making sure that the capsule stays healthy. Um, and, you know, they're, I'm sure they're uh, celebrating with Chris Cassidy right now. He's been the kind of the sole operator there for the U.S. portion of the space station. Uh, for a while. So um, I'm not sure exactly in terms of schedule, you know, what they'll be doing experiment wise and, and that sort of thing. I haven't really dug, dug quite into all that. It's been sort of a breathless marathon to get to this point. But, <laughs> but as you mentioned, it's most certainly is not mission accomplished. Um, Reentry is, is extremely dangerous and both Boeing and SpaceX in development of these, of the new capsules, um, you know, struggled with, with parachute development and making sure that, that they can return home safely. Well, I'm sure I'll be waiting sort of breathlessly for that moment as well. Looking broadly at the commercial crew program, this, this is a major milestone for the commercial crew program. Um, just, I mean, bring us up to speed, Jackie. Why is this so important for NASA to have this capability with a private company like SpaceX to be able to do this? Definitely. So when when commercial crew first started, you know, a decade ago, it was very controversial. Congress didn't fund it for the first few years, um, and it was sort of seen as as a risky, very risky move because traditionally, throughout the history of human spaceflight, NASA has always handled development and design of their spacecraft in house, and 
they partnered extensively with the private sector, but but their rockets like space shuttle um, back to the Apollo program, those were NASA rockets, um, even though the private sector was involved. Um, so this was a completely new tack um, when they chose SpaceX and Boeing in 2014. Uh, they were given fixed price contracts. And that was basically saying, all right, we're we're going to give you this money and you've got to design, develop, test, um, and and bring these spacecraft to fruition. And, and that it was a completely new way of doing business. And without shuttle still operating, it kind of left the United States to rely on Russia. And um, to keep the space station fully staffed, uh, they had to keep going back and buying more. And, uh, you know, at first NASA really hoped that both Boeing and SpaceX would have crew capsules flying and they would be, you know, taking people to and from the station on a regular basis by 2017. Um, but as we know in space flight, deadlines are, uh, deadlines are very, very rarely met. So there were development delays and yeah, so th this is a huge moment for NASA returning that capability to U.S. soil, they'll get to have a little bit more control over their schedule. Um, you know, by the end of this, they were paying about ninety million dollars a seat um, for Russian Soyuz seats. Um, you know, based on government figures, SpaceX's crew capsule has about a fifty-five million dollar price tag per seat, so it's cheaper and it gives NASA a little bit more control of what goes on at the space station, which is an asset that the United States has invested billions of dollars in. Uh, for the research that goes on there. Um, so it's it's very important for the space agency. And more of NASA's people can go, right? With with Soyuz, you're, you're locked into, you know, maybe one seat per ride, where with SpaceX, there's multiple seats, right? Definitely, yeah. You can fit as many as seven people on, on one Crew Dragon, if I remember correctly. And even this next mission, Crew-1, which which NASA is hoping will take off in August. That will be the next crewed flight from U.S. soil. Um, and that, I believe, is going to have three NASA astronauts and then one uh, Japanese astronaut with, with JAXA. Um, so that is already just huge compared to the capabilities we've had in the past. You know, that's, that's a pretty rapid uh, return to, to getting more U.S. astronauts on station. Jackie, you mentioned that with commercial crew coming online, that gives NASA more control over the space station, the, the ability to staff it up and get folks there um, at a, a lesser cost than through Soyuz and, and definitely far less than with Space Shuttle Program, which was, what, some billion dollar per launch. Um, mm -hmm. It also gives them some more resources to, to look to deep space, right? What is what is NASA's deep space ambitions and, and how does commercial crew help them meet some of those goals? So NASA had been planning to return to the moon um, at a bit of a slower pace towards the end of the decade until Vice President Mike Pence announced last year that, that they would wanted NASA to drastically accelerate that timeline and get to the moon by 2024. Um, and, and that has sort of become a all hands on deck sort of effort at NASA because that accelerating the timeline that much means you really need to go fast. Um, so NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine um, has said that one of the ways that they're going to get that done is to rely extensively on commercial partnership. Um, so we know that um, they want the lunar lander to be privately developed. Um, they want some of the cargo resupply to a planned space station that they want to orbit the moon. 
uh, will be done by the private sector. So this launch was really seen as a litmus test for that sort of endeavor, you know, relying more heavily on these commercial contracts. Um, SpaceX and Orbital Sciences, now part of Northrop Grumman, of course, already proved that they could do cargo missions to the space station with, with prior commercial contracts that were very similar to commercial crew. Um, but this was most certainly their most high profile, most important, um, you know, um, part of part of that partnership. So SpaceX really had to prove that they could do this. And so that is having a successful return home of Bob and Doug and proving that Crew Dragon can get the job done. Um, that is that is going to be a big vote of confidence um, for trusting NASA to to partner to implement these partnerships more extensively. And and this was not just a milestone for NASA, right? This was this was a big milestone for SpaceX, which is a relatively new company in in the grand scheme of of things here. What's next for for SpaceX now that they've kind of accomplished this priority goal of theirs? What's on the horizon for uh, for Elon Musk and his team? They've got to get Bob and Doug home, most definitely. But we know that SpaceX is very heavily interested in getting things going with Starship. Um, obviously, things have been going a little bit. Down there in Boca Chica, Texas is sort of their test site. That's home base for Starship development. And um, Elon Musk has said since he founded SpaceX that he wanted the company to put humans on Mars and establish um, a human settlement there. And Starship is the backbone of that plan. It's, a, it's an enormous spaceship and rocket system. And uh, more recently, we saw that SpaceX was interested in, in using that to help NASA's moon program as well. So they were awarded some development money for the human lander contract for the Artemis moon mission. They have been like wildly um, excited about that and been progressing very rapidly through some prototypes. Um, the latest uh, prototype we saw, SN4, uh, was out there on the launch pad, I think, a, a couple of days before before takeoff and um, ended up exploding, which ha- which happens. You know, that's sort of why SpaceX and NASA had a, had some culture clash at the beginning. SpaceX's ethos is always move really fast and don't be afraid if something goes wrong, because every time something goes wrong, you learn more from those mistakes than if you tried to just design everything on paper and do that up front. So um, SpaceX is is definitely going to continue down that path. Uh, We've seen Elon Musk spending quite a bit of time down in Boca Chica working on this project. So a lot of heavy investments in that, but but we know that it's going to be hugely expensive. So that's a good question for SpaceX moving forward. If they can keep that program funded until they can, you know, put a starship on a launch pad and take it to space. Jackie Waddles, uh, finally, you you cover commercial innovation and commercial space. Uh, what are you most excited about? What's what's the next big story on the horizon? That's a great question. You know, I I do focus very heavily on the business of space, but I think like a lot of space nerds, I get really excited about science-oriented missions as well. Um, so I'm pretty excited to see the Perseverance rover take off this summer. That's NASA's next Mars rover. So I think that I think we're all excited to see that one go. Um, but yeah, I think for my beat specifically, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how things play out on station now that NASA has this capability. What more can we get done? You know, um, how many more people can we get there? And and certainly with news about, you know, Tom Cruise working with NASA to go film a movie up there, there's a lot of talk right now about all the opportunities that 
that SpaceX's um, commercial crew program can can bring to station. So that'll be really interesting to see what plays out and what doesn't. Well, I hope to see you for for one of those launches again, uh, Jackie. It was it was a lot of fun covering uh, commercial crew alongside you uh, and your team. Uh, we've been speaking with Jackie Waddle. She covers commercial space for CNN. Jackie, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thanks so much, Brendan. Still to come, bringing the launch to the classroom. How one teacher plans to inspire the next generation of explorers. That's ahead when Are We There Yet? continues. You're listening to Are We There Yet? I'm Brendan Byrne. Kyle Jeter teaches astronomy at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. He made the three-hour trip twice to watch the launch with his 15-year-old son and plans to use this moment of inspiration in his classroom. He joins us now to talk about how SpaceX's launch will inspire the next generation of human explorers. Kyle Jeter, thanks for speaking with us. Hey, thanks for having me. So you made the trip up from from South Florida, uh, a trip that I'm very familiar with uh, after many years uh, making the trip when I was in college. Um, what was it like coming up here to the Space Coast and actually seeing this mission happen in person? Totally worth the drive, of course. Totally worth it. And I actually made the drive twice. I went up um, a couple of days before, you know, for the launch that was scrubbed. I was with my son and wanted to share that uh, special moment with him. When he was really little, I had taken him up to see a shuttle launch. I don't even know if he can even exactly remember that. Uh, he's 15 now, so, you know, he was pretty young. And uh, so it had been a while since I'd seen a launch. And, and just, I mean, it just all comes back to me just how spectacular it is, how awe-inspiring it is. And, um, and I was curious to see what the crowds would be like and so forth. And just, uh, you know, immediately you see that the whole coast, they're just people as far, you know, along the, the uh, Indian River is where I was located. And uh, which was a challenge because I wanted to uh, maintain some social distancing. So I had to try to find some uh, unusual spots to, to hang out. And, and uh, which I did. I found a little spot that was uh, right on the edge of the water. And I had... Uh, actually went up uh, separately, but uh, we coordinated. Uh, there were four teachers uh, from my school, all of four together that uh, went up. And so they all found their own little locations as well. And, um, and we all just, it was just spectacular. And, and two of those guys, Mr. Simpson and Mr. Garner, they're professional photographers. So they, they have all of the, you know, the lenses and everything to really zoom in, even though we're miles away. Their stuff is spectacular. I mean, they make it look like they are just right there, and uh, it it was just it was just incredible. And mm-hmm. you know, hearing the crowd, I just I love the, the the crowd reaction, and and especially at this time to hear that, the you know the the hope and the excitement and the joy of that moment, even if it's just a moment, that 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 to me meant as much as as the rocket itself, as the fascination I've always had with you know, the technology and the engineering aspects of getting something into space, but just uh, sort of the camaraderie of that moment, just even if just for a moment, that, that seemed like something that was really, really necessary. Kyle, how did it compare to watching shuttle missions, um, you know, almost a decade ago? Yeah, I, I have seen, um, you know, the shuttle was, the shuttle was just, it was spectacular. I mean, it just, um I don't. I, I mean, I think it, it, they're they're both pretty comparable. This this is just exciting um, 
because it was a, a new start. You know, a lot of the shuttle missions I saw were towards the end of the program, and there was um, there was a, almost a feeling, a little bit of melancholy, you know, of watching these last shuttles launch and knowing that it was the end of an era, and now you have the beginning of a new era, and to, to witness that in person, you know, to me, it was a different feel for some reason. Um, still just as exciting in terms of seeing the rocket. I mean, just imagining how, what it takes to do that. What would the engineering involved with that? The physics involved with that? Uh, it, it just, it's always incredible. Hearing the sound as it finally catches up after traveling those several miles and finally, you know, washing over the crowd like that. I mean, it's it just, it's, you know, it's unbelievable. Kyle, why was it so important that, um, that your son come with you and, and see this launch in particular? Oh, I, I just, I think it is so inspirational. I, I think that, that all of us need that right now. I just, literally just a few minutes ago, he and I were talking about everything happening in the world and our country and everything. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sad to see a 15 year old uh, who, you know, you're hoping would not have these kind of big concerns on their mind and everything, you know? And so for me, that, that was a lot of it. Um, part of it's just that he's growing up and I want to spend those kind of, I mean, to me, that's just quality time. It, it, it brings about discussions of things that are just, that are positive and that are just, and, and they stretch your mind, they stretch your, stretch your intellect and it gets him um, interested in these things, just like I would do with my students. You know, I, I want him to at least understand what's happening in space science and uh, with NASA and now with these private companies, you know, hopefully inspire him to go that route. I don't, I don't want to push too hard, but I'll be honest with you. I definitely, you know, would love to see him become uh, an aerospace engineer. And I think mm. he has the right temperament for it. I think he has the, the right abilities for that, that that's something that he would really flourish at. Um, so I'm hoping this kind of, you know, lights that fire in him. Do you, do you see a little bit of that fire now after, uh, <laughs> after bringing him up there and watching it? Or is, is he moving in that direction? Oh, I, I think so. I think so. He's, he's, first of all, he's really into computers. So I keep stressing to him that everything is, you know, with computers now. If you master that, you can go into practically any field uh, that you want. So I'm hoping that's something um, that he would think about. And I'm, all, I'm constantly pointing it out to him. You know, the, the first time I saw the, the video feed of showing the inside of the, the Crew Dragon, and it struck me the difference, how modern it looked, you know, compared to the old capsules and everything sort of more mechanical. And now you've got, you know, you've got these big flat screen, you know, uh, computers above the astronauts and, and each one's designated for something else. And, you know, and I was just kind of pointing those things out to him, like, hey, you know, somebody has to program all that. I mean, this is very different, you know, it's just, um, again, it's all new technology and the, other than the shape of the capsule, you know, everything's different. The whole, it's just a, such a much more advanced program now. Kyle Jeter, you mentioned this earlier in how you want to use, you're using this moment with your son to kind of inspire him. Um, but you also said that you're going to use this moment to inspire your students. Um, I'm wondering how you're going to bring this experience into the classroom. Well, in my classroom, I try to divide my time uh, every day. We have a block schedule. And so I kind of segment it into three major blocks. And, and the, one of the blocks is student projects. 
And this is exactly the kind of thing. This is probably the first thing we'll start with next year where this is an option for them to give a presentation to the class about these kind of things. Uh, in, in terms of, for example, um, what all is happening in the area of, of aerospace right now. And the kids love that and they give some fantastic presentations. And I think that's something that will just naturally inspire them. And I'm, I always encourage them to, to put in little video clips and things like that. And, and I'll share with them my own video from the launch the other day and my own experience. And that, that kind of personalizes it more. Obviously, if any of them saw it, even if they just, you know, were watching on TV, my new students next year, I'll encourage them to, to incorporate that into what they're doing. Because I think that once you personalize something like that, it just, it's just that much more meaningful and the presentations they give. So that's, that's kind of how I incorporate it. Like I'll talk about my experience, try to get them pumped up a little bit. And then I put it in their hands and give them some suggestions for how to, you know, how to share that with the rest of us. And so it's, it's about communication. It's about learning about those topics, but it's something that I've, I've noticed they, they really love that. When we get into the space science aspects, um, they really can run with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you saw it. I saw it. There were crowds everywhere uh, along the Space Coast. Millions of people were watching this on YouTube. The public interest is there, Kyle Jeter. Does this make your job a little bit easier now to get people interested in other topics in space, like, like astronomy and, and physics and, and, and the other things that are within your curriculum? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it just, it just uh, it's so great that that was on everybody's mind and everybody's talking about it. And even, you know, friends of mine that aren't necessarily always into this kind of thing, everybody was watching my family back in Illinois. They're watching it. You know, it, it's just, it's neat because it gets people thinking about this. And like you said, it makes my job easier because, you know, goal number one for me, like really, literally from the first hour of my class, it's about inspiration. It's like, look, if you can get somebody wanting to learn about something, that, that's the hardest part of the job. You know what I mean? O overcoming um, some of the apathy, you know, towards, towards learning and things like that. I mean, once I overcome that with a student, then, then it's much easier. Then it's just like, you can't even stop a student who really wants to learn about things. I have students constantly sharing stuff with me. I mean, literally every day I get students sending me links to cool things that they found uh, online or they want my opinion on something or another. And so um, this really does a, a great service to me in terms of getting that next crew, the next students that come in, um, hopefully they'll be already uh, excited and, and ready to learn. Well, I hope we'll have you back on to talk about uh, your, your next batch of students that are inspired by this launch. Um, we've been speaking with Kyle Jeter. He teaches astronomy at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Kyle, thanks for speaking with us. Oh, thanks so much, Brendan. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We spoke with Kyle, uh, or, or should I say Mr. Jeter, earlier this year about astronomy education in the classroom. Be sure to revisit that conversation online at wmfe.org slash are we there yet. And never miss an episode of this show. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, NPR One, and give us a review and share while you're at it. 
Are We There? It is a production of WMFE and WMFV. Editorial guidance this week from Abe Abaraya. Thank you, Abe. Our director of content is Steve Yasko. Support for Are We There Yet comes from our listeners, and you can help this show and the local journalism you rely on by making a donation at WMFE.org. Until next week, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening. 